I've, I've uh, been in a bit of a quandary this morning, and I'm, I've just changed my message last minute because I've been tossing and to and fro over this today. I feel like there's a message that God wants me to share that I haven't actually prepared thoroughly, but during the worship this morning, it just became clear again. No, you need to share this word about the faithfulness of God. Uh, Do it again, Lord, is what I want to call this message. Do it again. And I want to talk to you from the book of Habakkuk. If you can find that book, I'll give you a prize. Um, I've just had to look it up in the index. Uh, But it's the book of Habakkuk, one of the minor prophets. That doesn't mean he hasn't got a major message to share, but he's one of the minor prophets. And I want to speak to you from chapter 3. It's just a a prophetic message I, I feel to share with you. Today, and I think the, the series talk we might do in the prayer meeting next week because we want to talk about how to use the gift of tongues. But I'm going to do this today, chapter 3, Habakkuk chapter 3, uh, and I want to jump right into the middle of a conversation that God is having, having with the prophet Habakkuk. And it could be summarized like this the conversation Habakkuk cries out to God, God, it's all going wrong. Look what's going on in the world right now. Everything's going wrong. It's all falling apart. What are you going to do about it? God replies, look, I'm going to act, but things are going to get a whole lot worse. Great. Lord, you can't be serious. He says, yeah, I'm going to send in the Babylonians. Oh, no, God, not the Babylonians. Hooray. That's kind of the summary of the message. God's solution is that things are going to get worse. God's solution is he's going to use people that you didn't expect. He's going to use circumstances you never even thought of. Hooray. But we can't quite work it out. So let me just read uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Chapter 3 of Habakkuk. It's a prayer. And he says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, do them again. In our time, make them known. The miracles we've heard of before. In wrath, remember mercy. Gad came from Temon, the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth his splendor was like the sunrise rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden plague went before him pestilence followed his steps he stood and shook the earth he looked and made the nations terrible the ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed his ways are eternal that's the kind of power we need lord I saw the tents of Cushion in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode with your horses and your victorious chariots? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed torrents of water swept by. The river roared and lifted its waves on high. Oh, if only I could be so poetic. 
You know, when you look at the world today, you see what's going on. Sun and moon stand still in the heavens. At the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear, in wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed ones. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to toe and and so on. Uh, And there are so many things in this passage, mysterious things and concepts that are hard to understand. But that call for God to act right now. That call for him to intervene, to show his power, to answer our prayers, to to answer the cries of peoples from nations. It's very real. So I think there are some valuable principles for us to get hold of in how we get through the difficult times that we're in. And who knows where they're going to lead. And uh, I mean, this is... This part here is probably a psalm. It was probably sung. Uh, it, was, it was used probably separately from the whole of the rest of the book in worship. That's what we read about. Uh, and it's full of meaning. But what I want you to see is that this isn't just Habakkuk's personal prayer. Chapter 3 is for all of us. Mm-hmm. It's for all of us that go through hard times when we don't understand what's going on. And the structure is like this. It's in three parts. Verses 1 and 2 is Habakkuk's response to what God says he's going to do. He says, okay, if that's what's going to happen, I can see the writings on the wall of what's going to happen, so I'm going to pray. That's the first thing. That's our response to what we see going on in the nations around us, is to call us to pray. Whether it's the environment... (laughs) I was speaking to somebody this uh, a couple of weeks ago who lives in a place where it's it's often environmentally (coughs) dangerous, a place to live. They live on an earthquake zone. They recently had incredible uh, floods in in (coughs) Turkey, this is. And he said God woke him up in the night to pray about the weather. And God said to him, I want you to command the earth, command the heavens, it's not going to rain. The storm that's threatening is going to pass you by and there won't be an earthquake. And so he, he went out and he prayed this. Our response when we see disasters has got to be pray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not despair. Yeah. We've got to call on the one who can do something about it. Our governments can't. Yeah. It's beyond governments. Do you realise that? We've gone beyond governments. Yeah, they can't keep us safe from viruses. They can't keep us safe from weather or war. Pray. And he he prays, but he says, Lord, I've seen you move in power before. Do it again. I've seen miracles before. Do it again, Lord. (laughs) In our day, what you've done before. And that's the main theme that I'm just feeling right now. God, what we've seen before, do it again, but even more. Yeah. It's on an even bigger scale than some of us yeah. have seen before. Yeah. We've heard these things that happened in the past. We've heard about groups of people that would meet to pray and, and wars have stopped and things have happened. Lord, do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Standing on what we've heard of before, do it again, Lord. Yeah. We pray like that. 
And then verses 3 to 7 is about Habakkuk remembering the times when God comes, has come before. He remembers how the lightning went before him when he came. How God moved into a situation. It was just like lightning broke out. Light just came out. Power just came out as God walked into the situation. How his presence brought earthquakes and plagues. They were sent to those who refused to repent. How do we pray about some of the things we're seeing? How are they ever going to repent? People that are so hardened to God, so against God, how are they going to change the way that they think and see that war isn't the answer? See that power isn't the answer, but actually humility or (laughs) grace or mercy. Perhaps he was thinking of the Exodus when he was thinking about the plagues and the earthquakes and the sea that parted and about God routing the Egyptians. Lord, do that again. With these leaders that are being raised up at this time to do evil, humble them, Lord. Do it again. And in verses 8 to 15, Habakkuk seeing the, the sun and the moon stand still over a battle that's fought against an enemy, an enemy that we all face. But God has led them into victory before, we see. And that's what he's standing on. You know, the the Old Testament is full of stories where God stepped in. Suns and moons, time went back. I mean, crazy stuff. He says, Lord, what we've seen before, we're standing on that. You know, that solid rock of foundation that Pauline was talking about. What are we standing on at times like this? Do it again, Lord. Three things. Pray in hard times. Remember what he's done before. And then the third thing is stand still. The sun and the moon, stand still. Stop time. (laughs) That's a crazy thing to think, isn't it? Having done all, stand. It's the New Testament version of it. People of God. We need to learn how to pray. We need to remember what God has done before. And we need to learn to stand and not run away. So whatever you're going through today, the formula is the same. Whether it's world events or whether it's our personal lives, the formula is the same. Pray, remember, stand still. Stand still. So back in uh, 2008, Alice and I were given a prophecy by a friend of ours called Ginny, whom a lot of you will know, about coming to Solihull. And she said, um, and it reminds me a lot of Habakkuk, this prophecy. (laughs) Uh, But uh, there are some principles in this book that I wish I'd known at the time. But we were warned that as we came to Solihull to lead the church, things were going to get a lot worse. Um, a, a lot worse. They were going to get really bad, she said. And um, then finally, when it got to the worst that it could possibly be, it will turn around. And it won't be a complete disaster. <laughs> uh, so we were warned about this. But can you imagine how we constantly said, Lord, is it bad enough yet to turn around? <laughs> is it bad enough yet? 
And then she said that when it got to that point of like, we're wondering what on earth we've come for, what are we here to do? That moment when it turned around, the ship that we were captaining through that stormy time would become one of the pride of a fleet of churches. And so we just kept saying, Lord, come on, turn it around. I I don't know if you've ever had a prophetic word like that. We weren't very happy with it at the time. I remember saying to Ginny at the end, I said, I thought prophecies weren't meant to be encouraging. That wasn't encouraging. (laughs) The fact that we have to get to a place of absolute despair. And then we say, Lord, is it now the time to turn around? And finally it would. When we came to the end of our own resources, when we couldn't do anything about it, where we got to the place that only God could come. Only he could do it. Guys, that's where we're at right now. Only God can intervene in what we're seeing around the world today. And so these are... I guess some of the things that we've learned over the years is that, that three steps, that pray, remember, stand still. Pray, remember, stand still. I, see, I go back to that moment now, that turnaround moment where I just didn't think we could hang on anymore. And I think, I hung on then. God, you got us through that. Who knows what you could get us through now? Pray, remember, stand still. I'm not running away. <laughs> because of what he's done before, we can stand. Habakkuk, you see, pray. Verses 1 to 2. Sorry, I get back on track. Habakkuk had heard from God. God had told him what was coming. He warned him. But he wasn't passive in his response. You know, sometimes we can have a sense of this is prophecy being worked out. This is going to happen. We knew it. It's going to get worse or it's going to get better after it gets worse or Whatever it is, we know it. And so we go into passive mode like we're there for the ride. I don't know if that's how I go on roller coasters. You know, I'm just there for the ride. I grip my teeth. I get through it. I don't like roller coasters very much. But that's how I do it. You know, my daughter, she loves roller coasters. She's there wide open. You know, eyes are open. Her arms in the air. She's... Screaming for joy, and I'm just gritting my teeth. I'll just get through this. Passive. Hanging on, doing nothing about it. We, we can get frustrated, you see. That it's unfor- we can get into that point of frustration, saying, Lord, there's unfulfilled prophecy over my life. I, I don't know. God, you said that this was going to work out, and now it's not working out. And we get into this sort of passive or... This tantrum that Pauline described. I said, right God, I'm not playing anymore. I'm going off. It's because we're passively expecting God to act. Not realising that something's required from us in response to what we've heard. See, just because you've got a prophecy over your life doesn't mean it's going to happen. Just because there are prophetic words in in scripture, well, that's maybe different. (laughs) That is going to happen, but we still have to partner with the prophetic word. We have to partner with what God has said is going to happen. And we need to take action and we need to pray it into fulfilment. Do you know, I don't really understand why people get so frustrated about unfulfilled prophecy over their lives. Because if you've got an unfulfilled prophecy over your life, it means you've got to live to see it. It means you've got a few more years. (laughs) 
But partner with the prophetic word. Partner with what God has said. Partner with what he's shown you in scripture and pray. Pray it into fulfilment. You might say, well, I don't need to. You know, God said it's going to happen. It's going to happen. No, he wants us to partner with what he's doing on earth today. Pray. God had told Habakkuk that things were going to get Habakkuk. Habakkuk, that things were going to get worse and that he was going to punish the unrighteous Babylonians. You might think, thank goodness, about time. But Habakkuk, rather than sitting around waiting for it to happen, say, see, told you I had a prophetic word about that. He declares instead, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I know you can do it. He says, Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds because you are God. So what you've said is possible. Lord, repeat them in our day, but Lord, you've done it before. And that's what we're standing on. In our time, make them known. So Lord, do it again, what you've done before. Show your power now. And in wrath, remember mercy. Lord, be merciful. I found myself praying that prayer that's called the prayer of Jesus, isn't it? Be merciful. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on peoples that are around the world in the Gaza Strip right now. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. I don't know what else to pray. Be merciful. He's not passive, you see, in response to what God says. He prays it in. He calls it into being. He cries out for God to do what he said he will do, according to your fame. Lord, and what you've done before. He even writes a song about it. To make it part of Israel's worship. So they can all pray together as a company of people in song. How about that? How about some of our worship team putting some prophetic promises for us as a church into songs so that we sing it? I love that song we sing about the Jubilee. This is our jubilee. We didn't write that song, but it feels like our song. Because it's part of the vision that God has given us about the jubilee, about freedom coming to people. But that's what he does. He puts it into song. And I can just imagine people picking up the tune and humming it around while they're doing the washing up. Remember that song we sang about the prophetic promises God has given us. It's a way of praying, singing. You notice how many of our songs are written like prayers. They're just prayers that are put to music. That's what the psalms are. Laborers in the field digging in time to its rhythm. Getting the word in and then speaking it out. Singing it back to God in prayer. I think that is a beautiful picture. So have you got any fulfilled, unfulfilled prophecy over your life? What are you doing with those words? Well, he's been faithful to you before, hasn't he? Yeah. Got any fulfilled prophecy in your life? Ask him to do it again. Do it again, Lord. What has he done in our nation before? What has he done in the nations? Remember what he's done. Say, Lord, do it again. Do it again in our day. We need a move of the Spirit. We need something like we've never seen before. We need an outpouring. We need our leaders to repent and find a whole new way of thinking and being. We need light to be shone in dark places, Lord. You've done it before. 
You've brought down kingdoms and kings because of unrighteousness. And you've raised up righteous kings and queens. He's done it before. He can do it again. In Wesley's time, for example, the whole of Europe was set alight. Lord, we've heard of your fame in these times. Please, will you do it again? The whole of Europe. And then into the Americas. Lord, we've heard of your fame. We've heard about the things you can do. It started with the, the, you know, the outpouring in the north of England. You know, a couple of older people praying, and then the spirit breaks out. People are getting convicted just walking down the road nearby. Lord, you've done it before. Please, will you do it again? And Paul warns us. He says, "Don't treat prophecy with contempt." And I don't think we do this. But I think we can be very passive. You know, in the New Testament, prophecy determines what is possible for your life, for our lives. But not what has to happen. So are you pursuing these words? Are you pursuing them or just passively hoping? And then prophetic words in scripture. God has laid it out to the end of time. Are we pursuing the purposes of God for our generation? Or are we passively along for the journey, gritting our teeth to get through it till I finally get released and I go to be with the Lord? I've been aware of that tendency in my heart. I'm all right. But what about future generations? Do it again, Lord. And then secondly, remember, verses 3 to 7, they remember what God has said and what he's done. Habakkuk recites all that he can remember about the God who does miracles. He recites the story of his people. He recites the pictures of the Psalms. He stands on his personal and their corporate history with God and he makes it a foundation of faithfulness upon which he can stand. We all need to do this. You know, for Alison and I over the years, we've often reminded God of one after the other times that we've seen his breakthroughs for us and provision for us. When we've seen lives change before, when we've seen people in similar situations set free and healed and so on. You know, when I come up against a situation that I've been before and I've seen God do it before, I have a greater confidence that he's going to do it again. Don't know if you're like that. It's when it's a completely new situation. I'm kind of scrabbling around saying, okay, God, what can I apply to this from my own experience? Oh, it's out of my experience. Okay, let's go. (laughs) But when you have experienced things with God, when you have a track record with him, you can stand on that. And we can encourage one another with that. Stand on it. We've seen this before, guys. We've been without a building before, you know. We've done the tour of Solihull a few times now. And each time he has prepared a a new place for us that's even better than it was before. And it's taken us a while to get there. And there are promises still unfilled, but we're hanging on to him. And we're going to keep telling him about what he's already said to us. Do you know your history of faithfulness with God? Do you know it? Could you quote it in the face of present difficulties and laugh in the face of the impossible because of what you've seen and heard God do before? 
Can you? That time when we had nothing and the deadline was minutes away and God came through for us with that provision just in the nick of time. We use that one. The time when you healed that person, Lord, and we saw that creative miracle take place before our eyes. You can do that again. That time when you did it for me. When you reversed my eye condition and now I can see better than I could see when I was a teenager. You can do that again, Lord, for them, for him, for her. That time when you grew the the veins up the drug addict's arms. Lord, we've got a problem with a a circulation problem here. There's a vein problem. Father, we've got confidence we can pray about that now. Store it up. Stand on it. Remember. And when you haven't got your own stories, nick other people's. Lord, you did it for them. Wasn't it like that when you were growing up? You know, mum and dad, why have they got, why has he got it and I haven't? It's that kind of spirit. Lord, they've got it. They've seen it. We want that. Come on, dad. Come on, father. You know, Habakkuk borrowed the stories of his people. The exodus didn't take place in his lifetime. What are the stories of our people? We can do the same. We can borrow stories and stand on them because the testimony of Jesus in the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's Revelation 19.10. What you've heard others testify can become your reality. He can do it again. Restore it in our day, Lord. Come again in our lifetime like you've done before. A whole generation coming into faith because of a move of the Holy Spirit. You've done it before. You've done it before, Lord. Come on, do it again for our children, for our children's children. Remember. Of course, in times of trouble, we can sometimes lose our way. We can get overwhelmed. We can get confused by what's happening to us. We can get delusioned or disappointed. But this is where our history with God is important. Remember his faithfulness. When you lose your way, go back to the last time when you knew who you are were and you knew what you were doing retrace your steps until you find the place where you left the path that was firm beneath your feet and it might be just before that happened I don't know now Lord but I know then I knew then and so I'm going to go back there I I sometimes pray Lord rewind my life to that point Because I don't know right now. I've been in in times in my walk with God where I said, Lord, all I know is that you love me and I don't know anything else right now. But I choose to stand on that. I know that you'll love me and that you are for me and that you're with me. That is like my basic. That's my starting place. Remember. In Revelation 2.5, writing to the church 
at Ephesus that had lost their way, God says, consider how far you have fallen, repent and do the things you did at first. Rewind. Do you need to rewind? Have you taken in what you see in the media and suddenly it's too big for God? Rewind. There's nothing that is beyond him. He is not pacing around together wondering, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with this? There is no earthly solution. That means we need a heavenly one. We need a God-sized solution for an earth-sized problem. He is not stretched. He is seated on the throne. He's not pacing around. The only time that it's recorded that, that, that Jesus stood up was when Simon was stoned. No, when the Stephen was stoned. And it says that he looked up and he saw the Son of Man standing. And it was like he was peering over saying, wow, look at that guy go. But otherwise he's always pictured seated. God is not anxious. He's not worried. He's not pacing around. Remember that last time when you felt clear about your direction. Remember how God led you, how he spoke to you then. Recall that moment, the assurance that you felt in that moment. Return to that place. Dwell there. Let the clarity of that moment feed and nourish your soul. Because the enemy wants to take you for a walk down a dark alley and beat you up and you lose your faith. Remember. Stand there. When you're feeling condemned or distant, remember how he saved you, how he forgave you for all of your sin. That moment when you crossed over from life into death, remember when he met you there. Remember when he filled you with his Holy Spirit. Remember the gifts that he gave you. Stir them up again. Remember. Remember when you can't find your way forward, when your future is uncertain. Remember his faithfulness, that he has never let you down, that he has never failed you, even though you have failed him on many occasions. Remember it. He is faithful when you are faithless. And we are kept by the faith of the Son of God. Remember him. And stand there. And don't you dare move from there. That's right. What he's done before he can do again. What you remember he has done for you before you can declare again. And draw strength again. Age and experience count for something in the Christian life. That's why we have elders. They are older experience in their walk with God. People that have done the distance. Recall your history with God. Ask him to do it again and finally stand still. Habakkuk's history and his confidence that God would do what he said he would do didn't mean that people would escape the trouble that was to come. Oh, if only... We can have this idea that the Christian life is meant to be easy. (laughs) Sorry. Who told you that? (laughs) That it's not meant to involve conflict. There shouldn't be a battle or there shouldn't be a cost to pay. Because Jesus never paid any cost, did he? I mean, he's our prime example. and, And history shows us it's not true. Even our own history shows us this. 
So why are we surprised when trouble comes? And that personal victory only comes sometimes on the bloody side of a battlefield. Stand still. Stand. Don't you dare run away. Life is war. We have a real enemy who wants us to shut up, give up and stay out of the way. And he's out to get you. He's out to cause you real harm. And whereas there are real physical wars and conflicts, mostly the battles that we face are in the spiritual realm or they take place in our mind because our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, physical things. You know, sometimes you wake up and just think, I'm going to give up. Ever, ever felt that? For no reason, I wake up and think, I'm giving up. Why? Something's just come on you in the night and you just think, I haven't got it anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to give up. Yeah. Or sometimes you get to the end of something that you've always enjoyed doing and you think, that was rubbish. What is the point? Just a spirit of naffness, as I call it, <laughs> just comes on you and just want to give up. Why? Because our battle isn't rational always. It's not physical. It's not tangible even. It's just like, where did that come from? Where did that thought come from? Where did that feeling come from? We have a real enemy and there is a real battle. And if anybody says otherwise, you're deluded. Habakkuk describes arrows, wrath, chariots, flashing spears, violence in battle that he foresaw but awkwardly, they came from the Lord himself on our behalf. I don't understand that. But it's because actually we bring the battle with us. As we advance the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness reacts and opposes us. Sometimes there are wounds. Sometimes there are fears, trouble, even death. But the ultimate victory is assured for every believer. If only you stayed in bed, that might not have happened. But the fact that you believe in Jesus and that you're living for him and that you're living in light and walking in light is going to create trouble. And if you're not getting any trouble, be concerned. You're not effective as a Christian. We have many battles to face in this life, but he's won the war. Do it again, Lord. Do it again in our time. Win the battle over that which rages against us. Win the battle over cancer. Win the battle over mental illness. Win the battle over poverty and injustice. Win the battle over wars that are started out of greed and political ambition. Win the battle, Lord. I'm so proud of the fact that we have real believers, even in the centre of big conflicts right now, who are there. We just spoke to some friends who are right on the doorstep of that conflict, living in Tel Aviv at the moment. And we said to them, how are you doing? They said, we're afraid, but we feel incredibly peaceful. Because we know God's put us here for this time. And we're having an amazing opportunity with our neighbours just to share that peace. Mm. And there are others we're praying for. And 
I feel so proud that we have people that are there living for Jesus, shining light. Stand. Don't run away. Do what you've done before, Lord. Do it in our time. Habakkuk's strategy then for getting through hard times. Pray. Pray. Pick up those prophecies again. Pick up those words that God has spoken to you over years. Pick up the words of the Bible and say, Lord, you said this was going to happen, that there was going to be a victory. We're going to pray. Remember. Reflect on your history with God. Trace his faithfulness to you over years and stand there. Because that's the third one, stand. The battle is real. But the war is won. Mm -hmm. So stand and declare the victory of God in your circumstances. What do you need to ask God to do again personally for you? What do you need to remember? What do you need to return to that you've left before? What about for our church, for our city, for our nation? What are some of the things that we need to get hold of right now for, our, for the nations? He is the God of the nations. He's not just an English God. Heaven looks like every tongue, tribe and nation <coughs> worshipping around the throne. We're part of this great community called the people of God. Lord, do it again. Restore to us in our day the miracles of the past, the transformation of cities, of nations, miracles that we hear of from around the world. Lord, we want to we wanna see them here, even to the raising of the dead. Lord, do it again. Do it here. Lord, do it with us. Father, give us a spirit of intercession for this time that we can pray that we can remember your faithfulness and stand on all that you've done before. Yes. Father, I pray take us to another dimension of understanding in, in terms of prayer and the faithfulness of God. Yes. Lord, our vision is to be saturated with prayer. Mm-hmm. Lord, would you saturate us with prayerfulness in this season? In Jesus' name, for your glory. Yes. Amen.